Well, good morning, everyone that's here. It's great that we can be worshiping together again, even though we have to do it right and all be uh, masked people. Um, So now here is our call to worship this morning. I give thanks to thee, O Adonai, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify thy name forever. For great is thy steadfast love toward me. Thou hast delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life, and they do not set thee before them. But thou, O Adonai, art a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and take pity on me. Give me strength. Give thy strength to thy servant and save the son of thy handmaid. Show me a sign of thy favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because thou, Yahweh, hast helped and comforted me. This is all because of God's Holy Spirit and his love. Now for our opening song together, let's sing number 119. They'll know we are Christians by our love. Three in one, God. We thank you so much that we are able to gather here together this morning and worship you. And I thank you for the backstory of that song that a a charismatic priest out in Chicago in the 60s who was working with gangs was moved to write that song. So Father, we thank you that even though things are different from what they used to be, you never change. And it is our desire here this morning to be gathered in your presence, to meet with you, to be changed by you, and become more the people that you want us to be. We pray in the name of your Son, our Savior, King of kings, and Lord of lords. Amen. And now, uh, the next thing is, use your bulletin inserts again. And uh, we are going to pray this prayer of confession. I really like this. It's pretty down to earth. You ask for our hands that you might use them for your purpose. We gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You ask for our mouths to speak out against injustice. We gave you only a whisper that we might not be accused. You asked for our eyes to see the pain of poverty. We closed them, for we did not want to see. You asked for our lives that you might work through us. We gave a small part that we might not get too involved. Lord, Forgive all our calculated efforts to serve you. Only when it is convenient to do so, 
only in those places where it is safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy for us to do so. Father, forgive us, renew us, and send us out as usable instruments that we might take seriously the meaning of your cross. Amen. And what does that mean? Jesus said, if anyone will come after him, he must take up his cross and die to himself. That's what God is calling us to do, and we don't want to do that because it's hard. But I'm so grateful that John, as an old man in his 80s, gave us this word from God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And we'll hear about that more in the message this morning, what Jesus did so our sins can be forgiven. And more importantly, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we may be righteous as he is righteous. There is a portion in Leviticus that we should all remember. Yahweh. The covenant God of Israel said, Therefore be holy, because I am holy. In Christ and with the power and love of the Holy Spirit, we can be holy, as God is holy. That's a promise. Now, uh, I ran some songs by Debbie, and um, Renato is spending Florida with his, in Florida with his daughter this week after Chattanooga last week with his son. So there's one little change. We'll sing 414, Have Thine Own Way, and then number 132, Open Our Eyes, Lord. So 414 first. Well, thank you, Debbie. Uh, we can't go wrong with uh, a Maranatha song from uh, the ministry of Pastor Chuck at Calvary, was it? Calvary Chapel, Custom Mesa, California, which we got to go to on vacation. And here, Pastor Chuck preached Psalm 25. Okay, uh, now we will have the reading of the scripture this morning. This morning's scripture reading is Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were st still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, 
we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Amen. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. And now let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father and Jesus, we thank you greatly that on this seventh Sunday after first fruits, on the day which you, Lord Jesus, rose from the dead, you sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to be in all who have turned to you in repentance of their sins and believed in and received the Savior, Jesus, as Lord of their life. The Spirit is the one who applies your amazing love in our hearts and lives so that we may always enjoy your life-changing love as we go through the necessary tribulations, and sufferings in order to have your character formed in us. For this to happen, our sins and rebellions have to be cut away, and your character needs to be planted in us. We thank you for all you are doing in us. And as we understand this and realize it and experience it, we can't help but boast, exult, and rejoice in your work in us, in us, so that we may show this before other people. But as we have confessed, even what we joyfully want to do we do not do enough. In some weeks, we don't do much of anything at all. And this is why we have gathered in your presence. We need to hear again what you have done for us in Jesus. We need to sing to you. We need to call out to you. We need to hear your words. And above all, we need you. We need to be aware of you, with us, and in us. And we need to be still and know you, our God, the one and only true God. Thank you that you are our God. And more important, we are your people, and we need to be doing and cooperating with you in all that you are doing to change us. Please help us to always cooperate with the work you are doing in our lives. And as the psalmist says, Selah, we will stop and meditate on that. And we pray for all the people in this world who do not know you, and therefore are rightly terrified of this virus. 
And we pray for all who know someone who has died from it. And we pray for all who are currently sick for it. It's a horrible thing. And we pray right now this morning for Chris and for others. And we do thank you for all who have recovered and returned to their families or homes. And we pray for all leaders, for those who are in government. We pray now for the tens of millions who are unemployed and in danger of homelessness and being hungry. We also pray for all of those who have been labeled as unnecessary. And we pray for those who are depressed and turning to alcohol and other unhealthy habits. And Father, we also pray for our racially divided nation. And we pray for those rogue policemen that find their way into city police departments. May the full weight of our nation's laws fall on these rogue policemen. And may they also be convicted by the Holy Spirit that they may be humbled. And may all who are feeling so disenfranchised by what has happened be encouraged by your Spirit and by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we shall see later on in Philippians, we may shine as stars with the light of God so that many people will come out of this darkness and into your light. And may your word go forth to change our hearts. And please direct everything I have to say about this passage from your word and about the glorious Holy Spirit who was given on this very day some 2,000 years ago. And now, because our words are so inadequate, we pray the words of the model prayer that Jesus taught his followers, which really takes in everything that's important in knowing you. And we say together with one heart and one voice, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And one thing I did check out after hearing some people talk about this prayer on TV. The original text literally says, deliver us from the evil, which means the evil one and all the evil that's rampant in this world. And now before we dig in, to God's word. Again, the fruit of the Spirit is love. We know the love of God when our dead spirits get brought to life by the Holy Spirit. So let's sing about this love divine, all love excelling, number 71.
Amen. Well, I'm going to give a little uh, refresher here from the Torah. The Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, was the final and biggest, um, fullest and most grandiose and joyful of the four spring feasts that were part of the worship calendar of the Israelites. Now, these feasts started with first Passover. Passover was on the first full moon of spring. This was followed immediately by seven days of unleavened bread when they ate nothing but unleavened bread to remind them of their slavery in Egypt. And of these seven days, on both the first day and the seventh day, there were special holy days on which God's people did no work. Now, in the middle of this first week of spring after the full moon, on the day after the Sabbath day, they would all take a sheep from their new harvest to bring to the priest to wave before Yahweh, and this was the third feast called First Fruits. It was in the middle of unleavened bread, and we now know 2,000 years after Yahweh gave these feasts to Moses that Jesus the Savior rose from the dead on the day after the Sabbath on the first fruits. He fulfilled this third feast. And then seven full weeks, or 49 plus one day, because we had to get back to the day after the Sabbath, was this feast of weeks. And the Greek-speaking Jews called it Pentecost because that's the Greek number for 50. Seven times seven plus one equals 50. And here is how they worshipped Yahweh. It was quite a celebration on this day after the Sabbath, the 50th day, the Feast of Weeks. The very first thing they did was to bring bread that was baked from the grain of the harvest that they had just collected. It was an offering. Secondly, they made a burnt offering of total consecration to him with seven male lambs, all a year old and without blemish, one bull and two rams. Then right in the middle of this, thirdly, they brought their sin offering of a goat. Then fourthly, they brought two male lambs for the peace offering. And finally, at the end of the day, while giving the benediction, the priest reminded Yahweh's people to leave enough gleanings of their harvest so that both the poor and needy and the alien sojourner living among them would have food to eat. 
Now with that background, I think it's absolutely amazing that this very rich worship feast I've just described to you was the very day the Father and the Son Jesus chose to give the Holy Spirit to people from all nations who would turn from themselves and their ways to God and his ways in humble, surrendered, obedient faith in God's Son, the Savior. And think about what happened on that day. Firstly, Jesus is the bread of life, the first thing that they brought. And secondly, he put sinners on the path to total sevenfold holiness and consecration in God as thirdly he forgives their sins when they turn to him. And fourthly he gives two kinds of peace. There were two rams or lambs for the um, peace offering. He gives both peace with God and peace with people. And do we ever need this? And finally in light of that blessing of benediction that the high priest gave. The Holy Spirit is so infinite and abundant that he fills all people. He can fill rich and poor and people from every single nation on this earth. We may all sojourn with God in Christ, in the Holy Spirit. Now we're ready to look at our passage in Romans this morning. It has two major parts. The first one talks about having been made right with God by faith. We boast because his love has been poured out in us by the Holy Spirit. First half of this first part, having been made right by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord, being brought by faith to the grace of the hope of the glory of God. Let's take it word by word, phrase by phrase. So having been made right by faith, we're having peace towards God through our Lord Jesus Christ, made right. Let us never forget, let's consider all of us are born without the ability to either be right or do right. We can only be made right by the gift of faith the Lord gives to those because of the work his son did on earth. Peace towards God. Faith both makes a person right and also gives that person peace in God's presence. If we are lacking peace in our lives, we need to go back and find Jesus again or let him find us. Through the Lord, we have also been brought by the faith into this grace in which we are still standing, this grace. This grace which we've been given by God through the faith. 
not some other kind of faith, faith in faith, but the faith in the Lord Savior King, which we have been brought to have in him. It's God who takes us through many things to receive this gift of faith. And now Paul will elaborate on these many things. He says, so we are always boasting in the hope of the glory of God. This is a rich word which has many shades of meaning, sometimes even including the wrong kind of pride. But it also means to exalt or rejoice. And I was so impressed by this as I pulled the sermon together that I prayed about it in my prayer this morning. You heard it. All who have been made right and have the peace of God, grace by faith, we really can't help but to rejoice, exalt, and boast about what God has done in us to other people. It should just be part of our being coming out of us by God's Spirit in us. Now, glory without Without the Lord Jesus Christ, we all continuously fall short of God's glory. But in Christ, by grace, by faith, we have the hope of attaining to God's glory just as our Savior Jesus Christ as a human being on earth attains to his glory. If we're in him, we'll attain to the same glory. And it says in the original, the glory of the God. We should never overlook that definite article in the original language. Let us forget, let us never forget. We're in danger of forgetting it. Let us never forget there is only one God. And this is the God who reveals himself in the Bible, in Scripture. Second part of the first part. We are also boasting, exalting, rejoicing in tribulations which work out in us perseverance, perfect character, and hope because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. So, okay, the first part, this all sounded good. Who wouldn't want peace with God? Who wouldn't want hope? Who wouldn't want to be made right? But to also boast, exult, and rejoice in tribulations, yes. Because these tribulations work out perseverance in us. Well, what are tribulations? This is a strong word. They're pressures. Pressure, pressure unending pressure and afflictions which lead us to great distress and will also lead pretty much every Christian. It's a promise that Paul wrote in his last letter to Timothy to sometime face persecutions. We may think we've escaped them. They will come if we are followers of Jesus. So, 
one of today's tribulations, and we can't avoid it if we turn on the TV, is this COVID-19. And it makes people we love sick and threatens them with death. I haven't talked to many of you about this, but my nephew's mother-in-law came within an inch of death twice before she recovered from this sickness. But if we are having the faith in the Savior, tribulations will work out perseverance and endurance in the face of them so that we will boast even in the midst, even in the midst of this pandemic that everybody's so um, worried about. And not only that, perseverance works out proven character and hope. What is proven character? Let me direct you to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, which I've spoken about a few times in my years here. The proven character that came out of suffering and poverty and tribulations in the churches in Macedonia generated in them extreme and liberal giving to their suffering brothers in Jerusalem. And Paul testified it was way beyond their ability. And why? Because they had received God's indescribable gift, Jesus Christ, in the last verse. You should go home and look it up. I put it in your outline. And this hope that arises from perfect character does not ever disappoint us. Human hopes can disappoint us, not God's hope, because God's love has been poured out in us. Let me talk again about God's love, because it's nothing like human love. It's nothing like a Hallmark card. It's more powerful and perfect than human love. His love changes our very character, the character of our lives, and his love gives us lives that have three qualities. Eternal, John 3, I've given you the key paragraph. Full and abundant, John 10. Again, I've given you the key paragraph. And neither of those in themselves are enough. But God's love gives us life that will be fruitful. In fact, we're called to be fruit bearers. You can look it up in John 15. And what about God's love? It's poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is why this is the very day on which the church of Jesus Christ was born when the Holy Spirit came upon 120 people in the upper room and filled them to enable them to proclaim the wonders of God in Jesus in languages they didn't even know. So people of 15 different language groups heard Jesus proclaim in their own tongues. It's poured out into our hearts. Our hearts are the very center of our being. 
and we're commanded to love God, Yahweh, with all of our hearts and so much more. And we can only do this when God has first poured out his love into our hearts. Our own love is inadequate. His love is more than adequate. Through the Holy Spirit being given, we can have God's love poured out by faith and by the Holy Spirit, and only by faith and by the Holy Spirit. God pours out his love into faithful people by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, beyond this, we're reminded of a very important fact. Christ died for us while we were still sinners to prove God's love for us and to reconcile us to him. So Paul goes on. All of these wonderful things didn't happen because we're good. While we were still being helpless and ungodly sinners, Christ died for us to always prove God's love for us. So Paul continues, because while we were still helpless, according to the season of time, the right season, he died for the ungodly. Godly. Now, a time or a season here. Christ died in the appropriate season of time. In fact, he did everything at the proper time. Let me just give you a synopsis of those four passages. Mark 1, the very beginning of the gospel, Jesus was baptized. He began to start his public ministry saying, the time has been fulfilled. Repent and receive the kingdom of God which is near. And then in John's gospel, after the upper room, when he turned Passover into communion, he goes to the garden and what's the first words of his long prayer to his father? The time has been fulfilled. Glorify yourself in my death. And then the third one, this long passage at the beginning of Galatians 4 said, when the time had fully come, some 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the Torah, to redeem those who were under the Torah to be God's sons and yes, daughters too. And then in this awesome introduction to the letter to the churches within a hundred mile radius of Ephesus, he says, he talks all about the Trinity and redemption. First the Father, then Allah on the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. And it was put into effect when the times had been fulfilled. Jesus always did everything on time at the right time, and he does not change. And then we're given this little verse, even the best of men are not willing, really, to die for a good or a righteous man. You see, we're human. And it's very difficult and in some ways meaningless to give the supreme sacrifice for another human being. 
We all know that every person isn't worth dying for, but worth yet. We know because of our own sinful falling short, our death would not be effective for anyone for what they really need. But God proves his love toward us that while we were still being sinners, God died with us. I looked up this word for prove, and it literally means standing with. Think about this. Commitment and true love always requires a standing with someone and never walking away. God's amazing love is this. His son stood with people the whole time that he was being tortured and while he was dying on the cross. They even said, come on down. Have your father send a legion of angels. But no, his standing with people love because of it and by it, all who turn from themselves to him in surrendered, obedient faith are forgiven to enjoy God's strong, life-giving, life-changing love. And because of Christ's resurrection, all who die with him to their sins will live his resurrected life. We'll see this later in Philippians. So, who are the people that Christ loved so much to stand with them and go through the torture of the death on the cross and being separated from his father? They're described in three weak, powerless categories. He died for the helpless, the ungodly, the sinners. Let us thank him for the gift of the Holy Spirit who convicts us to know the righteous one who was judged in our place to make us righteous by faith. God pours his love into faithful people by the Holy Spirit. Do we believe this enough to commit our lives to it 100%? It's the truth. Will we do that? It's the least we can do. And then much more. Having been made right with God by his blood, we're saved from wrath. Having been reconciled to God, we boast in God through the Lord, through whom we have reconciliation. And he's saying, as followers of Jesus this is what we have now received, the last word. And so he says, much more, having now been made right in his blood, we've been saved through him from wrath. So made right. We saw in the beginning this gave us peace and hope, but even more, it saves us. Salvation comes from being made right. And how are we made right? Through the blood or the death of Christ. And we have been saved from the wrath. The wrath that we all need to fear 
and to be saved from is the wrath that God rightly unleashes on those who willfully sin against him and go their own way and won't turn back to him. It will be clearer by what comes next. Because if being enemies, we were reconciled to the God through the death of his son. Reconciliation to God. Here is the amazing grace and salvation God has offered us in his son. Will we take it? He has reconciled people through the death of his son. And what kind of people? Not good. Not righteous people. They have no hope. He has reconciled his enemies, enemies like us. Enemies of God are reconciled through the death of his son, and much more now having been reconciled in the blood of his death, we will be saved in his life. Seven weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. We are saved in the life of his son. Because after he rose, Christ the King returned to his Father. And they both sent the Holy Spirit to convince, to convince us of both our sin and the act of Christ's love. When he both gave his life for us and was raised from the dead for us so that we might be saved in him. And he also, also, we can now boast in God the third time we exult and rejoice through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we can do it. Why? Because of the reconciliation we have received. So because of the work of the promised Holy Spirit in our hearts. Will we submit to that work? Will we cooperate with it? Because if we will, when we could be fearful like everyone else of things we don't understand, we do not fear. This verse has come to me a lot. We boast in faith, by faith, in the God that we will not fear anything. Why, John tells us, perfect love, God's love, casts out all fear. So we need to ask ourselves, if I am fearing anything, then I've missed the most important thing. Faith is to fear God and not some wimpy God of our own creation, but the all-powerful, almighty God who made Mount Sinai shake when he gave the covenant. Fear him, and we will fear nothing else. Nothing else. Hear me. Nothing can prevent us from accomplishing all that God has planned for us in his perfect will if we are in him by the faith of Jesus Christ. Grace is the gift of the Holy Spirit who has poured out God's love in our hearts by the faith of Christ our Savior. We have been reconciled to God 
by his amazing gifts of both Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's all by the faith of Christ our Savior, by grace, by faith. Let us praise God that God pours out his love into faithful people by the Holy Spirit. Let's wrap this passage up. All who have been made right with God by faith to have peace with God through the Lord Jesus and boast in the hope of the glory of God. We no longer fall short of that glory in Christ. And we can also boast in tribulations because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. And all this is because while we were still sinners and enemies of God, he proved his love, his standing with love to us. His son died to reconcile us to himself. And this sacrificial act of love results in us boasting in the reconciliation we've received. And we also boast, exult, rejoice by the Holy Spirit whom we have received. That's what this day is all about. On the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, God gave the Holy Spirit, to his church. And God pours his love into faithful people by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now let's close our time of worship and let this be our prayer. Spirit of God, descend upon my heart, 154. Amen. I wonder if that thing about my heart being an altar, I'll have to go back and read the vestry voices again. Well, I'm going to close with what the Apostle Paul wrote to one of his protégés, Titus, a young man who had been given a very difficult job. He was to be the bishop of all the churches on the island of Crete. I wouldn't want to be the bishop of a place as big, even as the state of Rhode Island. Uh, quite a responsibility. And here's Paul's charge. Remind the people to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for any honest work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by men and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. He saved us, not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit, 
which he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs of the hope of eternal life. And remember, eternal life is also abundant, and we are to be fruitful in that life, bearing fruit to the glory of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. It's true.